This is Doing Translational Research, a podcast from the Bronfenbrenner Center for Translational Research in the College of Human Ecology at Cornell University. So welcome to Doing Translational Research. I'm your host, Tony Burrow. I'm the director of the Bronfenbrenner Center for Translational Research at Cornell University. And I have the honor today of being joined by our special guest, Dr. Debbie Sellers. Dr. Sellers is Director of Research and Evaluation for the Residential Child Care Project, RCCP, as we affectionately call it, in the Bronfenbrenner Center. In this capacity, Dr. Sellers oversees the data collection and implementation efforts of RCCP's Children and Residential Experiences and Therapeutic Crisis Intervention Programs. She received her PhD in Sociology at the University of Massachusetts Amherst and a Master's in Biostatistics from the Harvard School of Public Health. Her primary interests focus on the relationship between research and practice, as well as helping both researchers and practitioners frame and answer questions that make a meaningful difference, particularly in the areas of child welfare, out-of-home care, and education. Welcome, Dr. Sellers. Uh, Thank you, Tony. Um, So, indeed, uh, would you uh, please tell our audience how long you've been with the Bronfenbrenner Center? I've been with the Bronfenbrenner Center for nine years now. Great. That's, that's, that's wonderful. And as always, we appreciate and celebrate your service to the center and all the good work that you do. Uh, before we launch too far into things, I suspect it could be helpful if you were to give our audience sort of a brief overview of the projects I just mentioned in that intro. Uh, even if even if just to get us sorted sort of linguistically, is there are many acronyms and project names that fall under sort of the larger sort of title of the Residential Child Care Project? Okay. Um, well, the RCCP project, Residential Child Care Project, started back in the early 1980s um, when they developed the Therapeutic Crisis Intervention Program, and we refer to that as TCI, much easier to say. Okay. Uh, and that program provides a, a crisis prevention and management system uh, with a lot of focus on how to prevent a crisis from happening, how to de-escalate a crisis. And by crisis here, we mean um, we work with mostly with out of children who are in out-of-home care, or that's our primary population that we work with. We also work with students in public schools too, but which where similar things can happen. A crisis is really when a child loses their ability to regulate their emotions. Um, and children that have been exposed to traumatic experiences in their life, this is a, a common side effect of that, um, not even a side effect, the effect of it, and it really interferes with the developmental progress that most children in more normal, quote-unquote, environments experience. So so the TCI programs provides, um, like, staff in, in residential agencies that agencies that provide residential care for children or in foster parents um, and now in in schools as well, provides them with skills to develop relationships with children and understand their sort of baseline and know what their triggers are and then have the skills to be able to help that child regulate their emotions when they begin to, when they're experiencing stress in ways that they can't handle and, and help them also learn how to manage those emotions and that kind of stress in a, a more appropriate way. So the TCI program has gone through seven revisions, actually. Uh, TCI 7 was just released the, um, the beginning of last year, 2020, and uh, has kept up with the research and really um, 
developed over the years based on the kinds of basic research that's going on and how we learn about children develop and what we learn about um, how trauma affects children. Um, and the CARE program, which is Children and Residential Experiences uh, Creating Conditions for Change, which we refer to as CARE, was developed in 2008 or nine, I think it was, and it was piloted in eight agencies. Um, and that program is really a, a practice model for an entire agency um, that provides residential care. It's based on six principles. And because this work is uh, the, the work of the directed staff who are caring for the children 24 hours a day is so complex, um, there can't really be a manualized version of this. It can't be when this happens, you have to do, when X happens, you have to do Y and Z. Uh, it's just um, too complex for that. So it's that care program is based on six principles that uh, drive all interactions within the agency, both the direct care staff with children, but also supervisors with staff and leadership with managers and staff. So the whole agency becomes focused on having these kinds of interactions with each other and um, providing more support and helping children learn to develop the kinds of life skills and emotional skills and self-regulation that really is essential for um, having successful adulthood. Um, we're about to start a revision of the care model. Um, and with that, we're delving into deeper into what we think makes these programs work. Um, but it's basically the TCI uh, and CARE. And TCI has also been developed for, uh, it was revised and adapted for school settings, uh, as well as family settings. Um, and CARE has been adapted for family settings as well. You know, I've always been, I, I've been a big fan of the Residential Child Care Project, um, in part because of the work you do, the population you're focused on, but largely because of the focus has been so ecological in nature. You, you're very mindful as a team to, to consider the environment that these young people are in. And so a lot of your work focuses on staff training. And as you said, sort of agency level kinds of work, um, uh, rather, rather than exclusively thinking, well, um, when, when young people are in crisis, what, what can anyone do with them? You're really sort of tailoring this to the staff that work with them day in and day out. It's sort of an interesting, very interesting approach. So how would you summarize your main research interests? And I guess a way of thinking about this is, what is the biggest question that your work is trying to answer? Well, that's, um, I was trained as a sociologist, a sociologist um, but my main interest is not a particular substantive area. I've always really focused on helping practitioners and program developers and clinicians, you know, frame questions and then conduct research in ways that provide rigorous results that actually address their question and have impact further beyond that. So I've worked in a number of different substantive areas over the course of my career. Um, a lot of prevention of risk behaviors, you know, um, alcohol use in children, HIV prevention, heart health, the use of genetics and whether or not results should be returned to the people that have the genetic test done and how that should be done. Uh, I've worked with organ do in organ donation and trying to improve the process that occurs in a hospital and the interactions between the, the organ procurement organization. Uh, so I've, I've worked over a wide range of things, um, but I'm pleased now, actually, at this stage of my 
career to have found a home in the RCCP where I can concentrate that effort in the area of improving care for children um, in out-of-home care and other child-serving settings. So I'm developing a deeper knowledge of the many facets of out-of-home care. And I have always um, had a knack for and enjoyed being able to think of creative ways to use data, the even data that may already exist and is being collected for other purposes, uh, to be able to contribute to whatever uh, field that's in. So I have, so I do in terms of my job um, with RCCP, I really oversee and manage and, and do both the evaluation efforts we're engaged in, the ongoing data collection efforts that are part of the CARE program, um, and then also seeing where we can contribute um, either by using data we have or by leveraging our connections with agencies and some the data that they have to address questions that will really um, help improve the field. I think that's wonderful, um, which I am sure is what makes you ever so resourceful uh, as a teammate in, in this program. Um, and it really folds nicely into sort of this this expressed interest of yours in, in helping researchers and practitioners frame and answer even novel or emergent questions, you know, you know it, in addition to the, the the purposes of collecting data that may have been there in the first place, what else can you do with that? What other kinds of insights can you glean? And the fact that you're keeping an eye on that is really, really interesting. So I know uh, that your work engages many, truly many partners, um, just an extraordinary number of partners in an extraordinary, extraordinary number of locations across the world, really. And so I guess the question here is, it may be helpful to, to, to share with the audience, you know, how many partners is RCCP engaging with worldwide, if you know that number offhand? And, and to, to tell us a little bit about what that experience is like for you. And, and the, the fuller question is sort of what are the challenges and or opportunities you've encountered as you work with these partners? When agencies implement the CARE program, they actually um, contract with us f with the four-year agreement mm. um, because it's a lengthy process to bring about organizational change, which is really the, the focus and the goal of the CARE program. So we have, I think, at, at least 35 or 40 active uh, agencies in the United States that we're working with now that are implementing CARE. And then I think there's probably another... 20 or 25 agencies elsewhere in the world. And wow. some of those, um, for example, in Australia, we're working with uh, one agency that actually has a national presence. They have programs, they run programs in all seven, um, I guess, states or provinces, whatever they're called in Australia. So um, many times there, and many of these agencies have multiple campuses, which are really run and managed independently too. So there's even more beyond that because there's some campus-based work even within a particular agency. And, you know, we have consultants who specifically work with those agencies. Prior to the pandemic, most of that work was in person. We've moved a little bit more into doing some of it with uh, over Zoom since we've had we've all had to adjust to that over the past year. Um, but we'll go back to in-person primarily once uh, uh, conditions allow. But they're out there working all the time with each agency, and, and each agency has its own story and its own barriers and um, things to, to work on over the course of the four-year 
uh, implementation project. And in the CARE program, we collect data, uh, do a staff survey, and oftentimes a survey of the youth as well, because it's critically important to really get the view of the children that are being cared for, um, since oftentimes the views of staff and children differ. So it's important to us to, to bring in the, the child's voice to the extent that we can. Um, so we have a lot of this data um, over time and from a number of different agencies. And different agencies, we work with, some agencies are really interested in using, also using administrative data they have, and we try to encourage that as much. In, in fact, data-driven decision-making is one of the key processes in the care program. It's really, it's hard to change things that you, where you don't know exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so each agency comes in with a, a different capacities for doing that. You know, smaller agencies often don't have the resources that a large agency has, um, so we there sometimes there we're really just literally helping them to change slightly the way they collect the data so it puts the data in a form that they can generate reports on um, how many serious behavioral incidents have happened over a period of time and and what time of day they may have happened and to be able to find patterns like that that might help them um, improve the way they're working with the children. I mean, those kinds of things tell us something about the setting conditions in which um, these incidents are happening and in which restraints may be happening and always with the goal of of reducing the incidents and um, by providing better support to the children and thus also reducing the use of restraints, um, even to the point of having very, very few restraints. One of the joys of the podcast is that we get get to talk and hear we get to talk to and hear from so many different leaders of projects and programs, and they come in all varieties. Some have long-standing relationships with a single sort of enduring partner. Others have briefer engagements with multiple partners. What is another interesting feature of the residential child care project is just the large number of partners that you've engaged with, with this initial, at least, four-year engagement. And you know, I'm wondering what is most salient to you in those relationships. Do you first notice the consistencies or similarities in the issues and problems and opportunities with this diverse array of partners, or are, are the nuances or differences between them more salient to you? So at, at the agent at the agency level, so are they are sort of is, do yeah. you notice how different they are or how similar they are? Um, well, that's a question probably one of our consultants would be able to answer a little bit better. I think overall, most agencies go through similar struggles as they're trying to implement the implement the care uh, program model. Um, some have more trouble at a particular stage than others. Um, some will move quickly through part of it, but then kind of get stuck in something else. I, so I think even though there's similarities. Um, there are differences as well. And, sure. and one thing that I'm hoping to do is, you know, when our consultants go out, they write um, detailed reports about each visit they have with the agency that is then provided to the agency. Um, so it summarizes, you know, what's happening in the in the process of care and what things the uh, consultants observed when they were there and a variety of things like that. And and we're starting to work on going back through those reports and coding them in a way that will be able to help us look systematically at 
Interesting. when different kinds of issues arrive in agencies and whether there are patterns that are um, perhaps vary by the size of the agency or whether the child population they serve is more from child welfare or from juvenile justice or um, things like that. So, so that's one thing that I've brought that kind of question to RCCP and I'm hoping to, we'll make some progress. We have enough agencies now that we yeah. work with that it, it makes sense to, to do that kind of work. And really, um, again, that might help us understand better the organizational change process and more systematic. We have ideas about what barriers come up when, but, right. um, and right. what facilitators may operate, but we haven't looked at it systematically. Yeah, it's just a very unique opportunity to have the ability to even look at that sort of metadata or that experiential yeah. data that differs by agency or program. Just really, really fascinating. Um, thinking about the area, the general area in which you work, um, what are some things you'd like the general public to know about, to understand, or to realize? Can you think of two or three things that you just think are really important for the ordinary person to, to reflect on? There's some children in our society and that are in the care of our society that have such traumatic, basically, experiences. And uh, there's been much more attention in the last 10 to 15 years about how trauma affects the brain, even, of a child as they're developing. Um, and fortunately, the brain, our brains are quite, there's much plasticity, so we have the opportunity to help correct some of those um, pathways that may have been developed in, in ways that are not as functional in society um, through the work that we do. So, you know, the child welfare system and the juvenile justice system, a lot of attention and resources, and but there's a lot that can be done um, to help improve the adult lives of these children and help them develop into citizens that are like the rest of us, not that they're, they're, they're kids, just like anyone, in the, but they need some additional help to rectify some of the damage that has been done from their previous experiences. So I, I, I think that's probably the most important that we, and we're learning more about how to make that happen. And I think our programs are really digging deeper into the mechanisms through which that can happen. Uh, you know, I'm curious, you know, given the work that you do, the nature of the work itself um, and, and the spaces in which you carry out your work, it probably does give you a bit of a front row seat to some intersectionality or, or even fault lines between different sort of areas of, of society. When I think of so the, the programming and program delivery itself, so these agencies that serve youth, but also potentially juvenile justice uh, uh, facilities and and that industry and family experiences um, and so I think you you do sort of sit at a your work really does sit at an intersection of where a lot of things come together and I suspect sort of the inferences you can draw about what young people need to thrive and and to fare better are going to be informed with a lot of a lot of different perspectives. Yes, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, we've implemented our programs in juvenile justice systems um, or facilities, uh, as well as much residential care. And, and now we're working with the TCI version for schools in a high-need urban um, 
inner city school, um, actually up in, in Syracuse, New York. Interesting. So, so there's like a, there's an inherent transferability to, to what you're doing and, and the, the, the communities that could potentially benefit from your insights are, are, are vast. Yes, um, that's right. It is. Um, so this may force you to, it may be a challenging question, but a, a, a sort of a final question to get you to reflect on is if there were one real world change you could make based upon your work, work of your program, what would it be and why? That is a challenging question. <laughs> <laughs> By design. So take your yeah. time. <laughs> well, you know, one thing I would say that's not necessarily related just to RCCP, but I think that scientific literacy in this country mm-hmm. is is needs some work. Um, and not real specific details, but just understanding that the process of science takes time and goes through ups and downs and findings that are felt to be important in one year, five years later, something else may supersede them. Um, And so I think with the media and how they report science and things like that, there's often confusion and frustration in the general public. But I think there's also that people could learn and be fascinated by by seeing the the new knowledge that comes around. Um, You know, that happens a lot in nutrition. where it has a really immediate impact potentially on on what people choose to eat. And I think they've been frustrated by changes in some of those findings over time. But then if you look more broadly in other fields, um, there's really fascinating things that happen, you know, finding, you know, in archaeology, finding very, very old things or writings in, in a quite different area of the world that really shakes up the process and the, the way um, archaeologists and anthropologists have been thinking about the course of human development over time. Um, so that's one very, very broad thing. So with respect to RCCP and, and, our, and child welfare and juvenile justice, I think children that end up in these programs, we really need to give them a chance and we really need to provide them with the kind of care and support that they need, whether it's through foster programs or through juvenile justice facilities that are focused on, you know, rehabilitation, for lack of a better word, rather than punishment per se. You know, it's in some respects, there's many parallels between these systems and the the mass incarceration issues. So it's really that these children have been through traumatic experiences and they need a helping hand. And I hope that we live in a society where we really give that helping hand a, a fair chance and support them. That's brilliant. Um, I, I like how your responses sort of come together that uh, you see uh, a community of youth in need uh, and see real value in addressing at least partially that need with science. Uh, but to do that, we need to sort of up our game with scientific literacy and be able to understand what's been found and what more uh, we need to do on this front to, 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 move, our fo- to move our work forward with, with evidence. Um, this has been, this has been absolutely wonderful. Um, Dr. Sellers, thank you for taking a moment to share some insights and give us a, a tour of the residential childcare, uh, project. We appreciate you joining us today. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Tony. I enjoyed talking with you. I did as well. I enjoyed talking with you as well. Um, thank you very much. Please tune in next week. For more 
information about translational research or the work of the Bronfenbrenner Center, please visit www.bctr.cornell.edu.